0: there. I'm Jimmy Shuker here with Albert Chalmers and this is Radiant Light, Episode 1, In the Beginning. Albert and I are a couple of white westerners who are stepping into Zen Buddhism, believe it or not. We'd like to tell you a little bit about our journey now. I'll hand you over to Albert. Albert, what does Radiant Light mean to you? It's a platform to
1: talk about the spiritual side of life that often is neglected in a modern society that needs some kind of, I guess, just an open space to discuss things that defy logic, perhaps to discuss things
0: that defy logic, but tapping into the
1: essence, the essence of life. We're in this realm together, and then we can meet here we both brought up Christian and now we're kind of more leaning into the Zen Buddhism
0: without forgetting our roots. Of course We're, we're grounded in our roots. I would say, is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah. You're steeped in it. It's your culture to separate from it completely would miss the point entirely. So if you can't deal with people where they're at, then what would be the point of any of it? It would just be, Me sitting in my apartment, meditating, and so what, you know? If I can't go to school with my kid and talk to the people there, then I failed. Ideally, we can bring Zen to a more grounded and everyday practicality. And that's what Zen is. It's seeing things as they are. Seeing things in the moment without preconceived notions, without judging things, without labeling things and that's where we are right now so we want to use this podcast to explore reality ideally it it will grow into a community where we have different people of different faiths and backgrounds and
0: all walks of life and we're hoping to learn things from a range of different religions and cultures and perspectives
1: I work in the basement of a church at a rescue mission and you work in a factory, but we're constantly meeting people and talking to people and you travel a lot. I don't travel that much, but we find ways of interacting with interesting people in different ways. So the cool thing is I'm more of a Taoist kind of, floaty free thinking how would you describe yourself well we said i'm the confucianist but what does that mean
0: to you well it means structure routine discipline there was a day for example we were talking about our zens you know your zen generally tends to flow doesn't it you yeah. as a taoist you go in whichever direction you please go say, with the flow please go as with I the knows. flow yeah what what the the natural flow in that moment you know I, whereas me for example my zen was right okay I've arrived at your apartment. I really need to just make the bed, fold my clothes, organize this, organize that, and then I can completely zen out.
1: Once your ducks are in a row, then you can relax. Whereas I just, I find beauty in the mess. When things are a mess, I feel more comfortable. I can't relax if things are structured. I'll find a way to mess things up. We're both finding the balance from different ends of the spectrum, perhaps.
0: You're going to love this. This is something I purposely saved for the podcast. So this is the difference in the Taoist and Confucianist way of thinking, if you like. So um, shock horror today when I was at work, I realized that I'd forgotten my little notepad for the podcast today. (laughs) And as the Confucianist, in my mind, well, you know, that was, it felt like a disaster. You know, all those bullet points, the things we were going to talk about, the structure it was going to give us. And then the second thought that comes to my mind is, yeah, Albert's going to love this. <laughs> you know, rip the rule book up, throw it out the window and just go with yeah. the flow. And yeah, lo and behold, yeah, you didn't even ask me for the rule book today. The, yeah. the, the rule book, the notebook. I know. Yeah. What I'm trying to say here is, for me, losing the notebook was... A negative. A negative. And for you as the Taoist, it's the positive, right? So that's what, maybe for those who don't
1: know, Zen Buddhism it's a long history and there's people more authorized to explain this than I am. But as the shortest version of it is it's Buddhism combined with Taoism and Confucianism. Basically you need all three components to get this kind of perfect, fascinating and beautiful blend. Without each of those components, it doesn't really work. I've realized.
0: When you say these three components, like to build what? Are we talking about to build a a lifestyle, a philosophy, a religion? Confucianism is the ritual structure, society,
1: how to organize society. And Taoism is like the antithesis of that. Lao Tzu and Confucius were contemporaries, as legend has it. And Confucius became more famous and well-received. But Lao Tzu, he was older than Confucius, but he he set this kind of standard of free living and free thinking that really doesn't work in a society. And if Confucius didn't come along, maybe China doesn't
0: exist. Hold on, what do you mean by China doesn't exist? Like what, what, what happened
1: here? Like China as we know it, it's just people like sitting in the park meditating there's no government, there's no, you can't really build a religion or a society
0: on Taoism. You need both elements. Do you mean a bit like how socialism is there to keep capitalism in check?
1: Yeah. Or I guess communism versus fascism or two extreme sides of the same coin. And then Buddhism is like the thing that the glue that kind of, connects the whole package and makes it digestible. Buddhism is what Alan Watts described as Hinduism packaged for export. You can put it into any culture. Any any culture can absorb Buddhism. So Zen is comes from Japan, but originally it's Chan from China, Shaolin Temple, and that's where Bodhidharma came from India and brought Mahayana Buddhism into the Chinese culture. And because Taoism and Confucianism were already stable and in the culture, they could use the language to translate those Buddhist texts and then absorb it. And that's how you end up with what became Zen Buddhism. So you need all of the different elements. and. It's the same way that you and I need each other to balance each other out. The yin and the yang have to coexist. That's what I think draws us to it. It's so different from where we come from, right?
0: Yeah, it's a different way of thinking as well. Isn't it changes it? your outlook. Well, yeah, I remember reading one of my first Alan Watts books, and he talks about how everything in the West is measured. You know, how much does this weigh? How tall is that? How fast can this go? Whereas, from what I understand in Eastern philosophy, there's a lot of things that just can't really be measured. They just need to be felt. And I guess in this post Age of
1: Enlightenment, people kind of cringe at the whole heebie jeebie, oh, I got chi in my chakras and da da da. And that just, they don't vibe with <laughs> it. Do you think people
0: that. cringe at that?
1: Well, I think. There's the people that really vibe with that, the the yoga hippies and the Rasta people, and the, you know, but they're not really at your job. They kind of found a niche. It's a niche thing. It's not
0: part of the mainstream yet. No, it's not mainstream at all. But in day-to-day life, you do get situations where people, they'll kind of say out loud, oh, I just knew. I could feel it. I could feel the vibe in the room. A hundred percent.
1: Everyone's a Buddha. Everyone is the Buddha. It's just, you don't know it yet. You don't know it yet. You're not ready yet or whatever. Cause you haven't let go of your ego. The ego is the persona in in psychology. It's the persona. It's your outward appearance. It's your mask. You need that to interact. Yeah. You have to have a lens. A camera needs a lens. A lot of these analogies that I learned in film school, apply to the spiritual thing that i'm into now where it's like you said you need that notebook to feel prepared so you need a plan you need a script and a storyboard to go into shooting but when you're on set you don't yell cut when the actor's giving you improv if it's gold like if it's gold now you've reached the next level where you didn't plan any of this it's a happy accident or
0: a synchronicity or a it's serendipity you get in the zone you hear a lot of people say i got into the zone yeah the flow state right yeah yeah the flow state yeah
1: it's like you prepare to be unprepared you know you prepare to be in the flow state do you feel like you chose the path or did the path choose you because i don't feel like i chose it it just forced itself upon me and are we talking about
0: zen buddhism here specifically or yeah or
1: spirituality in general Perhaps we both identify in a certain way, but without saying, I'm a Zen Buddhist, just to be spiritual at all, because most people, that is such an afterthought. It's something you don't, it's something you reserve for maybe one weird day at church when you just start crying,
0: or maybe it's when your life flashes before your eyes and then you die. Okay, to give the listeners some context here, I've moved from London, big city, one of the most well-known in the world to a pretty remote part of sweden i'm in the countryside and it's just hitting me you know i'm noticing this it sounds so cliche and a bit woo woo but you know seeing the stars at night and i'm noticing how the angle we are on the planet is um is different you know the sun's depending on the season taking slower or longer to go down and it's just making me wonder at the universe and the, the natural beauty of, of what's around me. And I've found myself just, just when I'm sitting there playing with my iPhone at night, just naturally Googling and YouTubing spiritual awakening. Like maybe this sounds really cheesy, but like you say, did this path call me or did I call the path? You know, like why was I finding? it? I don't know what compelled me to be looking up this kind of stuff and then learning about chakras but prior to that you know I was always very keen and curious to go to church you know like you know about my Christian background and various different branches of Christianity that I explored. You felt
1: like that was the most accessible way of reaching into the unknown and well, it naturally Speaking was, wasn't to God. I? It,
0: it, it was the environment that I was born into.
1: That's why I work in a church, because there are no Buddhist temples in this area. There's nowhere else to go. I mean, if I just sit at home, it just shows me how when someone thinks they have all the answers, it's like a little fishbowl, like a little fish swimming around with a little bowl. And you're like, I see the stars outside. I see the the whole ocean. I'm not going to be satisfied in this little fishbowl anymore.
0: So it's just making you curious to explore other religions and other perspectives and other ways.
1: Well, after being totally immersed in Christianity and delving into that more uh, over the years, realizing that I kind of hit a wall, and the wall was like this concept of sin and this concept of you know we're in a fallen state we're in a fallen world and there's something wrong about being a human it didn't sit well with me like on a really deep psychological and spiritual level i felt like i was
0: constantly at odds with myself i don't want to put words in your mouth here but this kind of sound like is it like a feeling of beating yourself down maybe it gets funny when you say beat yourself
1: down so self even the concept of self buddhism has these sort of main concepts or whatever and the three major ones are impermanence non-self and nirvana and so just even the idea that there is a self or an ego or a soul or anything It's so Christian and it's like Judaism and Islam also have the same way of viewing what you are and Buddhism is like wrong, you're the whole universe. The shell that you're in is totally irrelevant. You have to embrace that you're in this particular body in this moment in this life that you're in. but. If you don't embrace all life as the same and equal, then you're missing out on such a beautiful level of connectivity with every single thing that ever existed that I just feel like it's unattainable in Christianity. They say in Christianity, that should be enough. That's all you need is Jesus, faith in Jesus if that's not enough, then you're not a Christian. So I guess I realized I wasn't a Christian based on that definition. Of course, I still love that I was brought up in a household that had some level of spirituality, but I'd rather be able to tap into all things than just one group or one church or something
0: is there a name or a religion that covers tapping into all of these sources
1: there is it's called new age if you look into what new age is it's like human potentiality and realizing that christ consciousness and buddha consciousness and yoga and rasta and just take it and it's a mixed bag you pick and choose you're your own kind of the author of your own destiny. And you get to take the old and mix it with the new in whatever way you see fit. And it's something that really didn't kick off until the 60s when uh, the Beatles went to India to learn transcendental meditation. I mean, Alan Watts was already kicking around. And, you know, there were Zen guys in California and stuff, there was a Zen center in New York. It existed, but like it didn't explode until the sixties. The problem with new age is it's not that new. It's all based on things that happened a long, 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 long time ago. You know what I mean? It's just taking a lot of old things and breathing new life into it. Because I think if something's old, it gets stale.
0: It loses the vitality that it once had when it was new. And breathe new life into it, yeah. A bit like when Ebba said, Ebba heard you use the word meditation. Like when, when we first met each other, or very early on anyway, and you talked about, yeah, I meditated, and Ebba immediately said, oh, you meditate? My daddy likes Zen stuff too. Yeah, you know, they pick up on it. She's breathing new life into, a, in, into an old language.
1: Right, because I think Zen, so misunderstood, but... Our kids just hear Zen and they go, oh, that's that. Like, it is that. It's it becomes
0: okay. a concept for them. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's a hot term. It's
0: a like a it's a it's phrase. It's a catchy Zen. You know, it catches. Okay, I'll, I'll throw this out there then. Do you know what Ebba asked me the other day? And I'm curious to hear how you would have answered this question. I just, she said to me, is Jesus in Zen?
1: I would have said no, but I re- I'm reading Until this book. Until you read this book. The Heart of Buddha's Teachings. And yeah. he's saying if, if you're raised a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian, then don't don't detach from the roots because I'm paraphrasing here, but if you're disconnected from your roots, you cannot be happy. Grow from the root up. And that's kind of yeah, cool. Like, why throw Jesus out just because you're into Zen, you know? It doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to pick one thing. You can just say, okay, Jesus was Zen. You know, Jesus is a pretty enlightened figure, a spiritual teacher. And that was what kind of got us through the door.
0: Absolutely. And I don't feel that uh, Zen Buddhism is like a religion to replace Christianity. I feel like it's a philosophy that we can as you say, combine with our, are you saying this, combine with our Christian roots? Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise, you've
1: just lost a huge portion of the population. The percentage is way in the favor of Christianity, Catholicism. They have a lot more people. There's people out there that could definitely use a bit of Zen in their life. But if you tell them they have to get rid of Jesus, they're going to just turn you off. They're just going to say, that's blasphemy.
0: Yeah, but you don't have to get rid of Jesus to have of a bit of zen in your life, do you? You know. From those early days I described of looking on the internet, what is spiritual awakening, what's happening to me, blah, blah, blah. I just heard meditating coming up in conversations over and over again on podcasts, like from business people to travelers to spiritual leaders you know it's such a useful tool to bring you into the now and and clear your mind and that's
1: all it is too and i think it's misunderstood it's just literally emptying your mind and if you have a thought don't judge the thought just let it go these thoughts come in your mind and then they're like clouds they just pass through and then then you're able
0: to observe your thoughts right You're like, wow, that thought came to me.
1: Yeah, because you're not in control. Don't pretend you're in control. Don't get mad at yourself for being attracted to Zen Buddhism either. I mean, when you ask me why Zen Buddhism, dude, I remember being like five or six, watching Jackie Chan movies with my dad, and he would tell me stories about Bruce Lee, and he would like imitate Bruce Lee. I saw Star Wars when I was really young. And just got a little bit of a hard on. It <laughs> got a little tingle. <laughs> and I thought, what's the force? And I just believed it. I just, I remember I, I tried to make things levitate in my mind. And I just thought, one day there's going to be a day where I'm a Jedi. And now I've realized it's all about Zen Buddhism. It's just they use different words, they show it in a different way, but it all connects to Shaolin Temple. And that moment when Mahayana Buddhism came into China and connected with Taoism, Confucianism, that's like the epicenter of that kind of explosion of spirituality that you can't really find anywhere else. You can find other versions of spirituality, but they're all kind of like, oh, that's a bit of this but it's lacking that and it's this and that. It's the perfect blend. You finally cracked the code. You feel like you've
0: cracked the code then?
1: I feel like I cracked The Matrix when I realized what it is. Cause I remember watching The Matrix on DVD on my friend's plasma screen in his basement and just having this DVD playing. It was like the first DVD I ever seen. And I just saw this guy take the red pill and get sucked out of The Matrix. And he shows up in a different reality and he's bald and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. And he's like, it's all, it's all an illusion. It's like a dream. It's like, so I just feel like, like I said, it's not something I chose. It just happened to me, you know, everywhere I turned there it was. And so the harder I fought against it, the worse off I felt. And I just kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it and fighting it until one day I surrendered and here I am.
0: So glad you used that word surrender. That was on the tip of my tongue. That's the feeling, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Did spirituality choose us or did we choose it? What a question. Just going back to meditation and the, about thoughts popping into our minds when we meditate. I've heard it said that praying is talking to the universe and meditating is listening to the universe. Can you speak to that? Or? If you don't actually take a moment to empty your mind,
1: you have nothing but your own thoughts to listen to. It's an echo chamber. Yeah. it's your ego speaking. To yeah. You. You're talking to God and God's answering but it's like you who's answering (laughs) you're like hey what do you think I think this I've always thought this this is what my dad told me and that's what his dad told him and once you tune out for a second then you go tap into what's beneath that and it's like a deeper vibe a frequency that scares people it's like "Ooh, that's new but if you just say hold on maybe it's not scary maybe it's good to me. Maybe it's here for me and it's trying to tell me something that can help me. And then I can help give back to the humanity and the universe.